0: Welcome to WMFA, a podcast where writers talk writing. I'm Courtney Ballastier, and this week I'm talking with Taylor Larson. Taylor's debut novel, Stranger, Father, Beloved, was published last year by Simon & Schuster. She's currently at work on her second novel, which happens to be set in my home state of West Virginia. Taylor is a graduate of Columbia University's MFA program, and she is taught at Columbia, Brooklyn's Sackett Street Writers Workshop, and Pace University. Stranger Father Beloved takes an unsparing, often dark look at the inner workings of a family after its patriarch decides to replace himself with a man he sees his wife chatting with at a party. Taylor spent years writing and rewriting the book, but it didn't find a home until after she realized that her ending was all wrong, and then did even more rewriting to correct it. At Her Brooklyn Apartment, we talked about writing without ego, engaging with your characters, and the surreal experience of debut
1: authorship. The beginning is scary. Going on faith that there's something here that you're kind of just like, well, here we go. And I, I think it's like free fall.
0: You want to start with talking about the experience of writing Stranger Father Beloved?
1: Well, I started in at the end of um, undergraduate, and you know went through graduate school with it, uh, put it away for some periods, and then at the end of graduate school worked with one-on-one with some mentors. And then uh, basically worked on it a little bit after after school, and um, it had a different ending, which was not the right ending for a while, and I was shopping it to agents, and um, it just felt something wasn't quite right with it, and apparently they did too. So I changed, I changed it, and it has... It's correct ending. So a lot of it was, you know, once I'd written it and polished it, and I knew it was ready. It was, it was finding that agent and um, getting your foot in the door. And for me, it took a few years, and you know, it was a lot of uh, just going on faith. um, From what my close friends and writing mentors had said, this is meant to be published. And it took several years though. And um, then once I found my agent it all went really quickly from there. But um, yeah, just a, a, a lot, it probably took me four to five years to write and then four to five years to find the right agent.
0: And you talked about that and not having the right ending. Did you feel that from the beginning? Or I mean, maybe not in quite that way, but it felt, did it feel off or did, was that only kind of later that you realized?
1: I remember I was in my final year at school and somebody I was working with really pushed me to finish the book and I was going out of town, I was working on it up in Cape Cod, and he was just like, just finish it, and, um, you know, because I was kind of stalling, and I, so I just kind of cranked it out, I was really, like, caffeinated, and I was really into it, had a fire going, and, um, I, I knew there was two, two possible endings, and I, I, I just went with one, not really completely sure, and, um, I I wasn't sure after if it was right. I didn't know if it was right or wrong. And they didn't either. They, they liked the way it was written. It had its merits, but it wasn't the correct one for that book. So I got to correct that before it was published. And for that, I'm grateful. And how has it informed now you
0: writing the second book? Do you feel like there's a lot you can take with you? Or does it just feel like a brand new process? It, it's a lot easier
1: now. Um, I basically just going through the editing process, and my editor, she was very rigorous, which I really appreciated, because um, I'm that way, I'm, I like to be rigorous with myself, and with, when I edit other people, I'm not like a professional editor, but when I do manuscript consults, I like to be rigorous, and um, so I just learned a lot about editing, and I think just the process for the first book, I just learned a ton about which which chapters really worked? Which ones we needed to work a lot more on with my editor? Which ones were kind of done? Which you know? And um, this book now, I mean, it's it definitely takes time. I have to kind of you know put the time in to do each scene and. To, but there's not the same feeling of um. Wait, how do you you know writing your first novel? You're thinking um, you know how do you structure a, the arc of a single chapter and make it flow in the bigger arc, and how do you do all that. And, you know, I was really intimidated to, I think most, you know, MFA students are scared to write a novel. It's scary. And you don't, and you know, so I was I'll write a novella, you know, so I was reading a ton of novellas in short, short novels and, um, finally got my novella length. And then, you know, and now I'm not afraid of, yeah, a longer form. I think it's, I actually don't know if I could ever really go back to writing short stories seriously because I just love to, I love, I love the novel form so much. Um, it's funny. I think the short thing
0: is also a little bit of a trap because I think it's actually harder in a lot of ways so and it seems the length would, you know, equal easier, but yeah. it doesn't.
1: Yeah. I've worked on some of the same stories for like, for eons, really same stories. It's like, Polishing, you know, there's just one paragraph that's just not right, and with a novel, I feel like it's a lot easier to. I don't know, I, I just for some reason I love. There's so many other things that I struggle with as a writer, and that are you know difficult. But the writing and the editing, or novels, is is pleasurable. I mean, although there are of course moments where it's stressful, but in general, um, I like to have a longer romp. And, um, I do think, you know, the the beginning of a new novel, I think I would, I don't want to speak for all novelists, but I think for a lot of novelists or probably most, even if they've done 10 books, the beginning is scary because you just, you don't have much to hang your hat on and you're kind of just wait, you know, you're going on faith that there's something here that's really going to hook you and going to hook everyone else. And so you're kind of just like, well here we go. And I, I think it's like free fall, you know, it's, it's, I think it's terrifying. So for me, the beginning of the second novel was a little terrifying because I, I felt compelled to, to write this character, but I didn't, I didn't have enough details of the world yet. I didn't have enough, um you know, details about the surrounding characters. So, and I had, and that's normal because I had to create them and I had to, you know, but it was just like, oh my gosh, it's like, Beginning is scary, and then finally get to a point where it's like there's enough that's created that feels authentic. Okay, it's going to be okay. There is a world here and it's emerging. What was the germ of the first book? I think it must have come from some moment. I do remember vaguely being at a party and seeing somebody who had a different spouse talk to somebody flirtatiously who was not their spouse. And I must have filed that away or something, of like, you know. Yeah, cause couples are so complicated and there's all this stuff going on behind the scenes and, you know, um, so yeah, that, that thought. And basically from that thought, I thought, okay, what, what kind of person is in such a situation and is feeling so desperate that he wants to go to all this trouble of basically kind of court, courting this person into his, his marriage and, and doing it so that he can, he can leave and he can also leave her with somebody else and not just abandon her and, Um, you know, what kind of person is in that situation? I find it a lot easier to write sort of darker and more um, troubled characters than I do, which I don't, you know, um, I don't think any character is straightforward. You know, some people appear to be more straightforward and some people are less tortured, but everybody's got a lot of layers. But I'm drawn to, I guess, particularly tortured characters. How do you approach a
0: new project? You know, are you an outliner or a planner? Do you just kind of free write and see what happens?
1: I usually have a sense. I have um. I have to have a sense of a character and something happening. Um, usually, a strong sense of the mood of a piece and a sense on a gut level of of what, where it's going, and which is usually to a dark place, but. I don't, I don't map out what's going to happen because I don't know. So I went, cause I, I think of it as a discovery process when I'm writing, I have the, them, the characters, you know, inform me, um, of what they want to do. So at certain times I'll, 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 I'll start to kind of free form outline, which is like, I'll, if I'm into a project, I can start to maybe like chapter five, I know what it's going to be about from this guy's perspective. Cause I like to do multiple perspectives. So I'll start a little bit on this guy's perspective, but I'm not quite sure exactly what it's going to all be yet. So I'll I'll leave it and go to chapter six. But in general, I don't like to do that. I like to fill them out as I go. Um, and and uh, but I have started to be a little more organized in terms of like writing a separate sheet with all the characters' names and how old they are and what their full names are. And you know because I <laughs> it's like a sensible thing to do to you know? like you know try to. <laughs> Then, otherwise, you're just looking through, what was that person's name? Oh, yeah. He's married to, okay, yeah. Which is what I did in the first book. I didn't write anything out in any organized manner.
0: Do you write in Word? Yeah. So you're just, you've got one document, you're just plowing through start to finish.
1: Pretty, I mean, yeah, this one, and it was so weird because the second book is, is, it's rounding the bend to being finished. And like, I just had it on my laptop, which was having issues and I hadn't like saved it anywhere. I'm like, what am I doing? You know, I have to back this up. Like what's
0: your writing schedule. Like, you know, I read an essay of yours where you say that you like to write between the hours of 11 and four. Yeah. Do you go straight
1: through that whole time? Well, it depends. I mean, like if I'm, I like to, I really love to, to get out in the country to write. Um. So like if I go there, we have a cabin, in uh, in the woods, if I can go out there, and if I'm really cooking, you know, let's say I start at eleven. If I were to go to three or four in the afternoon, it would be a rare day that I would go to like five o'clock and write for six hours. I mean, that would be a really wonderful day, and that would be, um, that was that kind of writing was common during the editing process with my editor. Like I would just. I was so grateful to finally be working with a, a really accomplished editor and she really understood what I was trying to do. And I really, w- you know, enjoyed doing all the edits she wanted me to do. So I would, if I didn't do more, if I did a couple hours on those days, it felt like, no, there's more, do more, do more. But now I find um, maybe like two or three hours. I kind of have to feel my way through. There will be certain weeks where it feels really, really good to write almost every day or every other day. For example, if I'm driving around West Virginia and I'm getting all these ideas about about the setting and the characters, and then I'm compelled to write. But um, if I'm at a place where I'm kind of stuck and I don't know where the book is going next, and I try to force myself to write, I can start to kind of do a little damage. So I leave, I kind of, but, you know, you, you have to show up and sit down and try. So um, it's, it goes anywhere from once a week to like three or four times a week. And then when I'm, you know, really editing, really like finishing a book, you know, writing, writing every day. I, mean, I don't know if I've ever written every, you know, six days out of the week would be like, whoa.
0: In that same essay, you have this great quote about. Recording your characters. And you talk a lot about also how your ego can get too involved in the process, which I think is really interesting. And I'm curious, first and foremost, how you trained yourself to
1: spot that. I think writing is the one place I have such a reverence for books. Like I've I grew up obviously loving books, you know, the, the classics and others. That when I sit down to write, if I'm not coming from It's the one place in that same essay I talk about, it's the one time where I don't try to control it. And as a younger writer, I think I, you know, I had a lot more because I didn't have the craft skills yet. And so I just didn't understand. So I was constantly going between trying to figure it out in my brain and then, you know, having these wonderful times when I'd be overtaken by writing and it'd be kind of streaming out, which we all love when that happens. as time has gone on, I find my best writing just comes out. Um, and it's not, it's, 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 yeah, it's not, um, there's no ego in that. And I feel like I'm in a lot of other areas of my life. I can be very fearful or I can be very controlling. And with writing, I really, I just, I don't know, there's a reverence for it that I'm just aware that Maybe at some point in my MFA, I started to just, I think I took this passage once from one book and just plunked it down in another one just to see if I could get away with it. And everyone had read that passage and was just like, what is this? This You know, and it's like, it didn't, even though it, it logically fit in there, it wasn't coming from the book. And, you know, there was another project I was working on before this one. It was much more from my head. It was an idea I had. Some of the character stuff was was very or it was very um, coming from a gut level, but it was an idea I had of something that I thought would be great to pitch. That kind of writing is like useless for me to do anything like that. I have to. I'm not. I, I'm not. You know, I'm a, a cerebral person, and I obviously need to use your brain skills to you know write well and stuff. But it's really letting go. Writing for me is letting go, and it's it feels. And how you asked how I was able to do that. I think I just, I just, I guess I just felt over time that I, I learned enough through writing enough and that I could let go. And I have had some great editors and mentors who have helped me shape what comes out. So I trust the editing process and I know it doesn't have to come out perfectly the first time. Um, and I think writing is really fun. I mean, it's, it's kind of terrifying, especially when you're writing dark stuff. But it's to me, it's like an adventure. So if I were to take an adventure in the woods, where I'm supposed to just, you know, somehow get to the top of this mountain, if I were to try to like plot it all out and be all serious about it, it would take away the fun of the adventure. And I wish I really want to be able be able to be this way in all the other aspects of my life, because then I would just be a totally happy person. But with writing, it's the one place where I'm just like, I wouldn't dare to try to impose my will on it. It just would feel like. well, this is like an extreme word, but blasphemous. So what do you do when you feel that creeping in? Yeah. If if I start to I don't do it very much, but if I can start to feel that I'm I'm in my head, I'll stop. I'll put it away for the day. I'll you know, I try to write after I meditate. Um, I try to I just click a different switch on in my brain that um I think because in so many other areas of my life I'm so analytical and kind of obsessive and sort of the opposite of what <laughs> that for some reason when I'm writing I can it's like I click on a different part and uh, that part gets clicked off and that's why I'm so devoted to doing this because it's it's um it's coming from a, pu- a pure place and I'm trying to figure out how to just be that way all the time and just sort of let things happen and not be so <laughs> controlling but i haven't quite figured it out beyond beyond writing and stuff it's so funny
0: because writing is such a an act of control i mean you're controlling everything that is coming out it's just funny that it has that sort of more calming effect
1: i feel i know what you mean because it's all coming from but i mean i believe in like you know like the great you know they talk about this in school and the great stream of literature where the stories are and I think I think our individual experiences and our personalities, you know, shape what what stories we tell, of course, like if, if certain things have happened to you that have you know marked you in a certain way, you're going to be more drawn to a character who might have certain attributes similar to yourself, of course. But I believe it's kind of like I'm not I'm not going to say like what's channeled. I just know any of the writing where I sit down and try to make things up, it's like it might be some nice prose, but it's not. I feel the characters really do have a life of their own. And it's like, I just, I don't know. I think I really maybe had to work on my craft a long time enough where I can kind of let go. Can you talk a little bit about the MFA experience? I mean, it was, it was really, you know, and really intense. I mean, you were at Columbia. I was at Columbia and I, you know, I, you know we all felled up Times like we were torn apart, like you know, and I, you know, I was a little cocky. I thought, you know, I didn't revise a lot. Like I would turn something in, and then I had a couple professors, one in particular, who was just like, really came down hard on me. Was just like, you have to revise this, like you know, several times before you bring this to class. It's gonna, and I really appreciated that advice because I was, he's, he's right, and and I went and I was much more rigorous in in after I wrote it, editing it. I think the best thing a person can get out of an MFA is finding a mentor who really loves your work. Um, but then, I you know, I had teachers who maybe didn't love my work as much, but I still learned a lot from them. Um, there were certain days where I felt like I was really, you know, making a huge impact, and I was, you know, this is such a wonderful experience. And so there's days where, after being workshopped, you're just like, you know, you just feel like you've been completely dismantled. And I think that's that's really good prep for a writer. Obviously, for you know when you. Get you know, have to face critical reviews, and you know, have to face rejections trying to get an agent. Face rejections from getting an editor. Like it's a lot of rejection. So, and writers are notoriously, as you know, sensitive, sweet people who kind of a lot of them holding on by You know, and that's the stereotype. I think it's true of a lot of a lot of writers. And so, it, it it really toughened me up in a way, Um, and um, helped me. You know, helped me really uncover my voice. And all the books we read. I mean you know, the Aspern papers, like all these books I might never have read, you know. And then, you know, to click into this whole other type of writing that I, I, I love that I hadn't read, like Death in Venice, um, my writing mentor, Jaime Manrique, just and Karen Russell was in our class and she turned me on to um, Carson McCullers, who I had never read for some reason. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, Carson McCullers is now like my, one of my favorite writers. And so we just had people, this, just these, you know, little moments that like, you know the fact that Jaime chose the syllabus, chose Death in Venice, chose a, a Simple Heart, the Flaubert book, and a couple other books. So I'm, yeah, I'm really. It was it was a wonderful experience, even though it was hard at times.
0: Have you tried you know co working spaces stuff like that?
1: I can't write in those places. I try, I tried, and I and I love a lot of them are great. Like I I, I was a member of Paragraph. But for me, when I'm doing fiction writing, I can't. I can't be around other people. Like there's no, there's just no way. I have to at least be in my own room. Because you talk out loud, some right? You wrote oh, that yeah. essay as well. I won't just sit and talk to the keyboard like asking the questions, but a sort of um, just sit and wait and and have a question in my mind. Like, okay, what is it? What is it that's supposed to happen next? like what does what what actually happened to her? And then, and then I'll sit and then I'll I'll just stare at it and and usually I'll go and then make a coffee and then talk to the cats, you know, put a log on the fire. Like I just get in this weird space and then so if someone else were around, I'd probably just feel self-conscious or Yeah. I think it's a lot easier to really enjoy um It's been easier for me to kind of go into that full writing zone. Um, like going away for a week by myself. When you're being supported or by the industry, like when you have an agent and you have a book deal, I would still do these trips by myself before I had an agent, and I was going on faith that this was all going to lead to towards me having a career. But it was harder for me to really see it as a career when I wasn't getting paid or no one had invested in me. Um, I still think writers need to do that, and we have because we have to basically start to create we're our own agents until we get an agent. So we have to sort of act like we have, you know, that we're being paid for this. This is going to lead to something. This is going to be go out in the world or, but you do, you do have to have a lot of trust in yourself that you're meant to do this while you're waiting for anyone besides your close friends to your your mom and dad to care that, you know, I mean, I think there were several years where, you know, I, I, I had gone to school and a lot of people like what? what is Taylor doing? What is she trying to do? Like, and then once I had a book deal, I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, you're, you're actually a writer. And I was like, yeah, I've been a writer the whole time.
0: I think that's something I've struggled with, especially once I became a self-employed writer. I started to develop this kind of very rigid definition of what work looked like, mm-hmm. you know, and it was really hard to take any sort of moment, like what you're describing, because when I wasn't sitting at my keyboard, I felt like I wasn't actively earning money and it's really hard to kind of teach yourself that that's how the process works and that's a step in it is like yeah. kind of taking those experiences away and taking a walk even as simple as that or just reading or going places and you know i started to think well no if you're not emailing somebody if you're not writing something
1: and and while you were talking i just thought of this one of my professors Darren Strauss at, at Columbia he said something very helpful he's like just if you know Just a page, just for that one uh, session, all you have to produce is one page. Well, just a page, double-spaced, not even a single space page, that's a lot. And I still use that now sometimes of kind of what you were saying. What is work, like what is, you know, trying to structure that before it's all, yeah. Do you put limits on yourself?
0: You know, when you're kind of having a dedicated writing week in the cabin, or are you thinking x number of hours
1: or x number of words? Anything? I've gone into it being very ambitious sometimes, and then it hasn't quite worked out the way I want. I have to stay engaged with the characters, so I'll just say to myself, "Stay engaged with the characters." Sit down, and even just rereading the last chapter I wrote, I'm still that way. I'm still linked to the characters. Um, and sometimes I've gone on these trips where I've been like, "Okay, you know, we're kind to do at least a page a day." for you know x, x number of days and then I've had I had one trip where this was just a lovely experience just a ton came out and I was I wrote when one in one day I wrote uh, like 10 to 15 pages which is like completely not normal for me I was like whoa but I could never have planned that and then you know one day where I wrote like yeah, one or two pages um if I can have a day where I'm writing like if I write like 5 pages it feels like really um wow so i have i have an idea um it's funny my last trip i went out there with these big plans i had done several trips um i have no deadlines like i'm just work you know working on the second book and i really needed to rest from just the whole experience of putting the book out you know doing a lot of stuff and events and then I re- I really went out there with with some ambitions to work on this book, and it was very, my body and my brain were telling me, no, rest. And I really listened. I mean, I I mean, and it's hard for me. I have a guilt complex, like you were describing there. I feel like I'm supposed to be doing stuff all the time, and it was like, nope. It was so clear. It was, and and I, I guess I've gotten to know myself better. It was just like, don't work on the book, rest. So I think, yeah, learning to trust your body signals and... Meditation has been huge for me with that. Yeah. You can actually hear, right? Is that what you mean? Like, you can hear what you're...
0: And just, like, I think for me a big part of it was the kind of self-respect piece of just, like, taking that seriously. You know, not just noticing it, but then being like, you're hearing this for a reason, you're feeling this for a reason.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that comes with age, and it's like, yeah, for me, I... Yeah, it's that's now, like, everything, because you can really trust, like, trust yourself trust that there's a guy like you know some sort of guiding intuitive voice and you talked about sort of the exhaustion of putting that book out can you talk a little bit about being a
0: debut author you know was that what you expected it to be like i,
1: I you know i got a really good i had a really good experience compared to a lot of people i had a really really great agent my editor is wonderful and i was in a big house so i you know i had a, a lot of great you know great things um, they did a great job with the cover art. Like there's a lot of things that were really great. There's so many things that you don't know and you have to constantly be balancing, you know, how often to email your agent and, you know, you in your editor, when to leave them alone, when to, you know, whose job is what. For a while I didn't have other writers that I could, who are kind of at the same level, at least having the same kind of experience that I was, I could talk to. And I finally found people. So there were there were some wonderful surprises, some some really um, things that I wasn't expecting that you know I was worried about that were great. Well, actually, I was first nervous with my editor. I, you know, I was I was just I said to her, I know, my my fear just with not with her, but with any editor would be that they would my my writing is strange, and I was scared that they were whoever I was going to work with was going to take like a vacuum cleaner and suck out all the bizarre stuff and try to make it a little more straightforward and and uh, i just that was my one request of you know that and she was like yeah no i get it preserve your voice like i got it you know and i was like and she didn't do that she didn't take out there's some really strange scenes you know where i you know people read it and they look at me and they're like what you know and, and those are the scenes i love and, and she didn't take those out you know just these wonderful gifts you get or a really nice review where somebody really gets you know and you just never you weren't expecting it or even, I, you know, when I was asking for blurbs, you know, people, I expected that to be really difficult and um, people were really generous, you know, and I hadn't talked to them in a while. And there's a lot of other things too, like, you know, the way different bookstores treat you and people ask sort of sometimes bizarre questions at readings. And it's like such a mixed experience of of people really seeing you as sort of like having done this Herculean thing. And then some people just yeah, like, like at a, you know, at a bookstore, you know, the, the employees just like, yeah, no one knows who you are, like, no one's heard, you know, and, and and it's such a bizarre experience. It's really much more bizarre than I would have ever imagined, to be honest. At this point, are you able to sustain yourself with your writing? I was able to sustain, sustain myself for a while. Um, but then we had some financial stuff with um, my husband's going through school. And so for a while, yeah, for a while we were able to, and now, yeah, I have to supplement a little. Um, So I'm not quite at the point where I can just live off of my writing, Um, but it's, you know, definitely got at least for six months to a year, a feeling of, yeah, what that's like, of really just not having, having this be my income, and there's a real sense of pride, especially, you know all the years of work and all the years of no place in the industry and then to have to be able to yeah so I so there's definitely been a long stretch there where I was able to and it's like wow this feels really good every day just very grateful to have that yeah
0: it's something that I kind of go back and forth on I have phases about you know how how much of a goal I think it should be because I because I see the argument against it in a sense that that it keeps you you know you have to crank out a lot of stuff, and it and it I think it depends on how much you're able to kind of separate and keep a little corner carved for the stuff that you really want to be working on and you know it's such a dance
1: it is a dance, and it's true, and I think also, like in terms of like advances and things like that, like you know even if somebody gets a really large advance, you know, as you know, fifteen percent goes to the agent and then it's paid out over a course of a couple of years, so sometimes it's like. I'm just taking a number, like completely um, a random number. Let's say someone gets a really big advance, like five hundred thousand dollars, which is a big advance. That's rare. It's great, but even that, I mean, it's that's that's like a, that's a huge living. But that, even that, fifteen percent of that goes to agent, and it's paid out over the course of like two to three years as you hit certain milestones. So it's it's still a great living. I mean, that maybe isn't the best example. That's pretty. Let's <laughs> cut that in half and do it with that example. You know, you're basically making a regular person's salary, which is great, but um, and especially for a writer because the business is tough. But you know, sometimes I think as a debut person, you think you you see the advance and you think you're going to get all that at once, or it's gonna and it's 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 paid out you know over time. So it's sort of like, and a lot of people don't get the advance they want, you know, and they and they have to, you know, they 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 get you know something that they couldn't live off of, and you know, and and it's I think that's hard for them, you know, cause it's like. Uh, this is it you know I mean and then maybe their book wins some award or it sells really well and they get some amazing royalties or they get their you know their second book deal is like exponentially better and they're just like wow you know I mean it's such a such a bizarre experience but um, I know a lot of writers wish that they had higher advances I mean Uh you know I mean it is literally putting a price value on your work and yeah. to make
0: that in you know so closely tied to what you feel is your artistic value in it
1: you want to be paid enough where you feel like you're being you feel respected but i mean i think too some some of the debut people they get paid a lot and then there's a lot of pressure and they don't understand the industry yet and they're happy to have been paid well but at the same time there's a ton of pressure and so it's interesting because um, you know, I, I've seen certain writers who got, you know, they weren't happy with their advance, you know, under, you know, under six figures and they're, you know, they're like, wow, I can't really live off of this. And then they ended up because there wasn't a ton of pressure, they ended up doing all this stuff on their own. And the, you know, the book ended up selling really well and it exceeded the publisher's expectations. And then they are in a great place. So it's interesting how some of these things play out. I mean, there's like a there's like an infinite variety of like ways that it can all. But I think you know every writer wants to be, feel like they're getting they're getting paid um, money that they can live off of and not be so stressed out all the time about money because it, it's it's harder to be relaxed and get into your writing. But writers are amazing. They can they somehow manage to be have nine million things going on, be totally stressed out doing freelance things, interviewing people, and still find time. I have a lot of respect for writers and what they have to go through.
0: You'll find links to some of the things we talked about today on our website, wmfapodcast.com. You can email us at hello at wmfapodcast.com and find us on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast. Download and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Reviews are greatly appreciated. Or visit our website for more options. The WMFA logo was created by Unsold Studio, and our theme music is Jazz Dancer by Double Winter. Find them at doublewinter.bandcamp.com. WMFA is made in Detroit by Courtney Ballastier LLC.